0: Welcome to Interchange. I'm your host, Zach Anderson-Pettit. Interchange was founded inside of Bond, the embedded finance company. This podcast is a place for conversation, questioning, and open learning about the future of embedded finance. Our guest today is Bond's very own Brittany Lee Harvey. Britt is a recruiter at Bond. We cover Britt's unique youth, how acting and working in casting led her to recruiting, and why financial literacy is of paramount importance to her and to Bond. I hope you enjoy our interchange. Paint a picture of your life growing up for me a little bit. You had uh, a pretty unique youth, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I had the best childhood. Got to like run around, explore, like be an outdoors kid. Uh, Was also a child actor. So stumbled into that from, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen like Toddlers in Tiaras. Um, But I was like basically in kids' beauty pageants, and then that's how I stumbled into acting and I've done commercials, TV shows, movies, all kinds of really fun things.
0: I can't say that I've spent a ton of time with toddlers and tiaras, but I think I get the basic idea. Like I have a a picture that you're painting for me in my head. How did you end up kind of going from that into the world of recruiting into the world of business?
1: Pre-college, I was kind of like, oh, what can I do in the real world? Uh, that is similar to something I would do in the entertainment industry. And, uh, like I tried casting for a bit. So I worked with a a commercial casting director and that was so much fun. Um, but, but I needed more, I needed something more stable that it's like, oh, when there's a job, there's a job. Uh, so we went back to college, still wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Uh, got a degree. Cool thought about casting and like, how can I translate that? And I was like, okay, recruiting's pretty similar to casting. Like you have a role here that you're trying to fill and then same with a company, just a little bit different standards, right? Like instead of, you know, trying to find an actor who looks a certain way to fit in with how this family cat, like the cast of the family looks like you're trying to find someone with these skills and, and knowledge. And I'm like, I think that's pretty transferable. Let's, let's see if we can do that.
0: That's a big jump, right? I mean, the, I see the overlap yeah. in terms of, yeah, you maybe use a lot of the same muscles, but I've also, I guess, gotten to know the tech world well enough to know that, you know, you have to have done it somewhere else to come do it here kind of a thing. So how did you make that jump and how did you like really get into the business world from the Hollywoody world?
1: Yeah. So got my degree tried applying to, you know, big companies, companies you've heard of, uh, companies I had no business getting into without any experience. And that was just super unsuccessful. It went like months without getting any responses to any job applications. So I opened Google Maps. I looked at San Francisco and I started going up and down every single block and seeing which companies were like pinpointed. So I would look at that open them up, see if they're hiring for anything, um, and just apply to these companies I'd never heard of. A couple of them got back to me. And finally, one got back to me. I ended up landing a job as a receptionist at a gaming startup. So that was my intro into the startup world. Uh, and then from there, I went on to Ogilvy, uh, where I did end up working in recruiting and HR
0: the hustle opening up Google maps, trying to find every specific company. And then like actually having the chutzpah to reach out to them feels in and out. It's, it feels like some muscles that you grew as a kid or like as a casting director or something like that. What gave you the, even the confidence to think about doing something like that. That's a very non-average kind of hustler. I think
1: as a child actor, like you don't know what rejection is. It's just, it's just part of every day and you move on and it makes you stronger. Um, so I never had any fear of getting a no back because it's just like, whatever, just another one. Who cares? I'll get a yes eventually. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think it also goes back to that kind of like scarcity mindset around money. It's like, OK, well, what do I have to do to make this happen? I'll, like you just you have to get crafty and you have to get creative and just find a new way of doing things. And, you know, just making magic happen.
0: Yeah. Well, it seems like you've definitely made some magic happen. And having watched, having watched you recruit at Bond, you've continued to make magic happen through your career. So how long have you been recruiting now?
1: A few years, three, four years, somewhere around there.
0: Does it feel like longer? Because I feel like talking to you about a lot of things, I feel like there's this this wisdom associated with a lot of what you've been through.
1: I think my time at Bond has been really incredible for that. I have been exposed to so many wonderful opportunities here um, and so many things I might not have been exposed to if I had been somewhere else. People might not have taken the chance on me. Um, So I feel like I have gotten to learn so much more in such um, an accelerated pace that's probably contributing to it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Startups, one year of a startup is whatever. It's dog years, right? It's like seven years anywhere else. Yeah, makes sense. So coming from SoFi, moving into bond, this whole like financial services ecosystem thing that we live in. Why? I mean, outside of you know, you had questions about money as a kid. What what gets you out of bed in the morning when it comes to being in this industry? Is it kind of beckons back to that stuff, or has your why shifted at all since then?
1: I would say my why really hasn't shifted. I did not have a savings account until I started working at SoFi. Like I didn't wow. realize, yeah, I didn't realize like, I mean, like I had had like a savings account, but I like didn't keep that much money of it. And then I got rid of it. Cause I'm like, what is the point of this thing? <laughs> uh, so I like actually actively started a savings account when I worked at SoFi because they started to have classes around financial literacy and, uh, that was very helpful. And so I saw this positive change in my life of how the education, um, really helped me for the better. Like I have a savings account now, like I have a rainy day fund. Like I feel so much more confident and secure, uh, with money than I ever have in my life, Uh, which is so exciting. And I love what we're doing here at bond because we're like helping other people do that as well. We're helping companies help their customers do that as well. And that is just so rewarding.
0: Yeah, I I think we both live on that same page of wanting to level the financial playing field. I think that's what something that every bonder has in common to some degree. So, how much of that comes up during co- your conversations as a recruiter when you're talking to somebody new? How much time are you spending uh, with your bond hat on, kind of trying to understand how much of it is about their motivations and their why in the world versus you know the skill set and kind of how do you compare and contrast w- one or the other? I
1: think- 50 50, right? You want to make sure that the candidate is going to be happy at Bond too with with what we're offering. So, really getting to understand what drives them, what gets them excited, um, what do they want out of their next job? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, Really want to make sure those two things align because that will just help with retention in the long haul. Equally, experience is just as important. Uh, We need people with the right experience to be in these roles because that's what's going to help drive us forward faster. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's a two way street. can can we get along, uh, and, and can we make great things happen?
0: How long have you been at bond specifically now? I know you were here before I joined, but I'm not sure how much longer.
1: I think it's been about 18 months now.
0: Okay. Okay. So probably about what, four months in the office and then all of a sudden COVID hit and you were not doing your, even. how long did you have in the office before you I, had to go home?
1: Two weeks in the office. Oh we were
0: actually,
1: yeah, we were actually one of the first companies I knew of to go remote as a response to COVID because we are so people first. So all of my friends didn't go into lockdown until about 4 weeks after we did. So like, you're spot on on the timing, but we were just ahead of the curve.
0: Yeah, I remember I had a a plane ticket booked to San Francisco and I think you and I were going to meet and <laughs> that all shut down quite quickly and I was kind of at a yeah. point in Kansas City where I'm like, "Wait, the world seems normal." And then <laughs> Two weeks later, it's like, oh, that's why we did that. OK, a little, little clairvoyance, a little omniscient. How has your job changed? How has the world of recruiting changed since COVID hit? I know it's a big question, but I'm guessing you have a couple of thoughts.
1: Yeah, it's kind of been a roller coaster. Like, it's been such a journey. I think early on in pandemic, we saw a lot of people or I'm sorry, a lot of companies um, letting people go. And that was a bummer but we remained hiring. We didn't alter our hiring plans at all. So, um, on the positive side, like we got to help people who had lost their jobs. Um, and that was, that was really rewarding as well. Um, you know, being able to give people another opportunity when there wasn't many opportunities out there. Now we're seeing a huge shift to companies are hiring like crazy. Talent is so in demand and ooh, Nobody can keep up. All these companies are going crazy just to hire more talent. Um, And it's just what a dramatic shift we've gone from being an employer's market to a candidate's market in a year.
0: It's wild to think. I've never really thought about the overlap between... What you just said in the funding ecosystem as well, right, because there was that t- there was that frame of time where everybody was scared to write a check, everybody was afraid of what was to come, so just all the capital just dried up right, and that was the time when bond actually raised around and yes. pe- kept hiring people, <laughs> and the other side of the world was people were getting laid off, as you said, companies were shutting down that we kind of never even thought were potentially going to shut down within the next few years. You know, they seemed like rocket ships, all of a sudden they're gone. I've never thought about the overlap there. Was that was that a big competitive advantage at the time, you think? Like just the fact that we had, you know, we're hiring up on a window somewhere that make a big difference?
1: Uh, yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, we definitely saw a huge uptick in applications. Our, you know, our other coworkers were really great about getting the word out there that we're hiring. So we had a lot of awesome referrals too. Um I think it was very very fortunate for us. We got to, you know, get a lot of really talented people who should have had jobs. Uh we 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 got lucky and and snatched up some some really wonderful people and uh I think we're super lucky for that.
0: <laughs> There's no acting like it's been an easy year and a half, right? I think we can all agree that it's been it's been tough. There's maybe some advantages, uh, but the disadvantages I think are pretty significant. We can all agree (laughs) on those. So what are the pieces that you hope stay the same? What are the things out of COVID that have been positive for a candidate experience or just for recruiting in general?
1: I think this whole remote hiring thing is absolutely awesome. You know, when we get to on-site stage where a candidate has to meet with, you know, three to five people, normally for a recruiting coordinator, that is a headache trying to make that whole interview happen in a timely manner where you have a little bit of a break um, and you have everybody back to back. That can be difficult. Uh, Calendars are crazy. Like people have things going on, but with us now being remote, we have the ability to schedule these, you know, quote unquote, on sites over a couple of days. It gives a candidate more flexibility if they're still working a job and they don't want to take, you know, three, four hours off Uh, from their day of work they can spread it out across a couple of days it works out better for us too with calendars it makes the whole process a lot more smooth I think
0: do you think that we're missing something without that final 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 meeting of a human in person or do you think that that like what is it I don't know five ten percent that you actually get out of getting to meet someone in person is worth the risk of not having to deal with a lot of the the things we're talking about like to play devil's advocate is there is there something we're missing by not meeting these people?
1: That's a tough one. I don't know. I, I think there's always obviously going to be something to meeting people in person. It's going to be different. You're going to, you know, probably be able to spark a connection a little bit easier.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I think we've all become so comfortable with our Zoom boxes now. And, you know, you have the comfort of being in a space where you're comfortable. You're not in an office that's foreign to you. And um you know you're on neutral playing ground here so i think it kind of opens up the stage for people to be more comfortable and to be more themselves in interviews and to really like let themselves shine so yes and no i mean yeah,
0: it could go either way it, it's yeah. interesting i think about the the human connection being so incredibly important but you're right i think we've spent so much time now in these zoom boxes that maybe oh, it's almost a depressing version of the future, but maybe this is kind of who we are now. The way we present ourselves within a four by six box that's on someone else's screen is almost as important as the way we present ourselves in the world in real life.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Except you just get to be like a little bit more comfortable.
0: So one of the things that I'm always curious about is diversity. It's a hot topic these days to say the least, Um, but what's your take on hiring for diversity? Where does that kind of land in the order of operations? What are the different kinds of diversity that we should be thinking about? I think, you know, racial and gender are some very obvious pieces of that. But what are the other pieces that you feel like maybe don't get talked about enough?
1: I think race and gender are certainly huge. Hiring more women is something I've been focused on personally this past quarter. We were interviewing men as well. They're just, you know, women are performing stronger, which is actually really exciting to see, uh, especially in the financial uh, financial services industry. I think other things we need to think about too, education. Companies people are coming from, you know. I think sometimes we can, people can be biased around. Oh well, you know, they came from this company and and they hire really well, so we should hire people from that company. People are great from companies you've never heard of too. People are great if they don't have a bachelor degree too. You know, there's there's different ways of learning and acquiring skills, and that I think that heavily plays into diversity as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've always felt the sense of. A little bit of a chip on my shoulder, even, you know, coming from Kansas City and coming from what many would consider to be a second tier city or a second tier market or a you know, whatever you want to call it. I think there's definitely something to be said even for geographical diversity and kind of how COVID has helped for that.
1: Yeah. No, you you totally hit it. I totally missed that one. Yeah. We when I'm sourcing, I look across the United States. I don't care. You know where you're at. If you're a great talent, you're great talent. And I think, like you said, that's been one of the great things that's come out of COVID too. Is great talent doesn't have to be in San Francisco. Great talent doesn't have to be in New York City. Great talent doesn't have to be in you know Salt Lake City. You can yeah. you can be anywhere now and and be happy and still get hired at companies in San Francisco, New York. Um, that's exciting.
0: Yeah, I love the internet. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> it's pretty unbelievable. So a couple of final things here that I'm curious about. One is what do you wish the rest of the world knew about the life of a recruiter? Like if you could just put something on the in the head of every person on the other side of the table so that they could have a little more empathy, what would you what would you share?
1: Can I give two things instead of sure. one? Sure. Okay, yeah,
0: cool. I can tell you got things on your mind now if you're trying oh, yeah. to give two. Okay. I do. I do. Right. Talk to me.
1: First thing, your recruiter is your friend use them. They want to help you. I am not here working against you. I am not here to like, you know, try and save the company money. That's not, I I, I don't make money that way. Like I am here to hire you. Like, I want you to be here. Let me help you. Hmm. Like the more open and transparent you are with me about what you're looking for in your role, what your compensation expectations are, the better I can go fight for you for what you want. So please, please, please use your recruiter as your friend and be open with them. My other thing, I think all recruiters will agree with me. We hate rejecting, like rejecting a candidate is so hard and it never gets any easier. Uh, It's literally the worst part of my job. I wish I could avoid it. Um, it's, it's so difficult unless you're, you know, you're not a nice person then I don't feel bad about it, but it like, That rarely happens. Like we see such incredible people here. And it's so hard. It never gets easier.
0: I think people understand that second one, right? Like (laughs) people know that it's not like you're a human just doing your job and like that person wasn't a fit. I think
1: sometimes. Yeah. I think like to a certain extent, like people who might be a little bit more further along in their career get that. But I still think, you know, especially going through the pandemic when a lot of people didn't have jobs. Yeah. And like having to go reject those, those folks, it's tough because we're one of the only companies hiring and I'm here saying, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a good fit right now. Uh, we went with somebody else and it's heartbreaking.
0: just sending that email is hard. And I'm sure is I've only had to do it a couple of times in past lives. Cause I haven't been a hiring manager all that many times, but it's painful. Yeah. And Often, I think your gut instinct as a human, just because of our desire for pain avoidance is to is to almost ghost a candidate, right? It's like, oh, God, uh, they're not a fit. I'm just going to not get back to them. I think that's a natural thing that happens in a lot of people's heads. And it's happened to me when I was back in the day applying for jobs. And it's it feels horrible. That is like yeah. one of the worst pieces. So I would hope that the, the feedback from that second piece is at least like, thanks for letting me know, right? Yeah.
1: For sure. I think the ghosting thing is like, it can be partially that from recruiters. But then I also think sometimes our hiring managers, our interview teams are so busy with other things going on too. We're trying to get the feedback. It's sometimes, maybe it's, we're not ghosting you. It's just, I'm trying to get the feedback, but I think recruiters need to do a better job of, Hey, I don't have an update. That's the update. We'll let you know when I have one. Like no update is still an update. Um, and I think that's something the recruiting industry does need to get a little bit better at, um, because yeah, ghosting is not acceptable. It's not something we should do. Sometimes answers do take longer than we expect. Unfortunately, no matter, you know, things happen. Like,
0: yeah. But but to your first point, if the, if you think of the recruiter as your friend and you think of them as in your corner, follow up, right? Like if they're feel like, you're getting ghosted, send an email, see see what's going on.
1: Yeah. I'm like, Hey, like I expect to get back to you on this date, but if you need something before then, or for some reason I don't get back to you, please reach out to me. Like I am happy to respond. Like things come up. So.
0: Yeah. Especially it seems like if you were hiring for like a sales role or something like that, and they just kind of, well, they never got back to me. It's like, well, (laughs) are you going to feel that way about every prospect that you're reaching out to? If they don't answer an email, like is a certain amount of (laughs) This even a test in and of itself, it <laughs> seems
1: like. Oh, that's so funny. I uh I haven't thought about it that way. That's so great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think of it that way a lot. If somebody's getting hired onto a VC firm, I always find to be a hilarious one. If they don't negotiate anything, it's like, oh yeah. Should should you be a VC if you're not comfortable negotiating?
1: Yeah, it's almost like you have to. It's like part of, you know, your job interview.
0: Yeah, like you have to push back on the offer. Even if you want the job yesterday, you want to say yes, you have to push back on the offer because that's the thing that you're supposed to do to succeed in the role that you're about to get. But it may backfire on you.
1: For sure. Yeah, you never know. It's a, it's a fine line.
0: Is a very fine line. It's a very fine line. If folks want to get in touch, um, what's the best way to do that? Where can they find recruiting uh, opportunities or jobs at Bond, all that fun stuff? And where can they find out more about you?
1: Yes. So you can go to our LinkedIn. Uh, also check out our careers cha- page at bond.tech slash careers. Feel free to send us your resumes to careers at bond.tech as well. Uh, I check those emails. We'll let you know if we have any roles available that might be a fit for you. And uh, yeah, you can find us on Twitter, too. We're always posting new roles there. Bond FinTech.
0: Boom. All right. Well, I will link to all that in the show notes. Britt, thank you as always. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Zach. Always wonderful. So much fun.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Interchange with Brittany Lee Harvey. Interchange was founded inside a bond to benefit the developers, product owners, and executives at brands working inside the next generation of financial services. We hope that you're learning, enjoying, and maybe even laughing along. We love this world and we're passionate about every piece of it. Let us know what you'd like to learn more about who you'd like to hear from and what's getting you out of bed in the morning in this wild, World of fintech in which we live. If you'd like to learn more about Bond, please reach out. You can get a hold of me at zach at bond.tech. Let's start a conversation. Check out the show notes and the Bond blog for a deeper dive if you're still listening and just can't get enough. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and a rating in your favorites podcast app. Until our next interchange.